Well, hello there. What's a smark, you ask? Well, we're a special type of fan who understands and appreciates the product on a more in-depth level than you. Or so we like to think. And now, the world's foremost authority. The rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman. It's too late yeah. for me. I'm like Gollum and the Ring Man. I'll jump in the fucking lava. It's, I don't want to, but it's gonna happen. The New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. Thug Life, man. Hug Life, man, not Thug Life. What is this? Why is Bailey Thug Life now instead of Hug Life? You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 64. And uh, we finally... Oh, hell yeah. Happy 316 Day. Oh, that's right. Happy 316 Day, everybody. (laughs) Woo! Now, I wish I had cans. I got one right now, but it's... Wait, wait, wait. wait. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. There's a can. Pop, everybody. the mic. Cheers to you. There we go. There's my end. <laughs> Happy 316, buddy. Oh, that beer is delicious. <laughs> Another really exciting announcement, but this actually technically happened yesterday, I think. Lucha Underground is now actually finally on Netflix. And I checked. Woo! Both seasons one and two are on there. So uh, go ahead and fucking enjoy. If you have not seen it yet, you pretty much really have no excuse now. Because uh, if you don't have fucking access to netflix somehow i don't know who the fuck you are it, uh, it's still it's like eight bucks a month or something like that well it's like either you have it or somebody you know has it like everybody yeah. has access to netflix these days go fucking watch yeah. lucha underground or yeah like i'm probably gonna go watch it again just because like fuck it it's on netflix now i can just binge it oh i'm really yeah, excited and the value for that let me see like for, for their deal no, I'm saying, like, for Netflix, you're paying... Let me see. Oh, so it raised a little bit. It is now ten sixty eight a month. Oh, okay. Because it's $9.99 plus a couple, uh, like, 69 cents tax. of tax. Okay, I was going to say ten sixty eight. That is a really fucking weird business. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, but it's a, yeah, 69 cents of tax. Um, I think that was a huge, like, court agreement or something, like, States weren't getting the sales tax from Netflix, and now they are like actually charging tax. Uh, I see. But yeah, right. well, so uh... <laughs> ten bucks a month basically, and you get how many goddamn episodes of Lucha Underground? Well, I mean, it's you know it's that and all of the fucking other crazy shit that's on Netflix. Yeah, but uh, speaking of fucking crazy shit, uh, I, I thought one of the fucking funniest things from this entire week was that the main angle from this week of Raw was this whole thing of, like, Mick Foley has to fire somebody. And Mm -hmm. this comes right off of the whole, like, mini scandal of, like, Jack Swagger trying to get his release and then WWE finally granting him release on the day that they have this storyline. So, like, I don't think this is a coincidence at all. Do you? (laughs) No, and I I thought it would have been hilarious if they kept him, like on the payroll until raw and then like made the the angle of firing jack swagger like if he was still on raw yeah because like the funny thing is because oh, they yeah, had traded him to smackdown yeah 
<laughs> so I have to trade him back to Raw and then fire him. Oh my god! Like, and McFoley could have totally still pulled it off as a babyface. He could have been like, "Like, we want you back to be great." And then, like, then like, well, you're fired. Wait, what? Why? He's like, because you betrayed us. You let you left to go to the other brand. <laughs> what? I don't know if I I don't know if I follow the storyline of yours, Joe. <laughs> I think the three sixteen day is getting to you already. Damn, only like a quarter of the way through my beer. Um, oh no. <laughs> Then no, it's just, saying, just, like, just a strange idea that I don't get yet. <laughs> fully, fully could like bring him back to Raw and then uh-huh. fire him, and the excuse could be, "Well, you betrayed us and went to SmackDown, so that's why we're firing you." But then, why wouldn't he just leave him on SmackDown? Like, why would he bring him back to Raw just to fire to him? punish him? <laughs> but like, that seems just—I don't know. I, I'm trying to fit but like, but I'm just, the Jack Swagger storyline like, into the firing storyline. <laughs> but how does Mick Foley come out look coming out of this like as a baby face? Or oh to... wait, Stephanie Stephanie forces him to do that. So she trades with Shane to get Jack back and then tells Mick you have to fire him. Okay. Then okay, this could work maybe. That was my biggest yeah. hiccup, is like I don't know how the fuck Mick Foley is supposed to be a face coming out of this. But um uh, <laughs> I mean he, he you know, he, he had his last little baby face moment here for a while, I'm assuming. Um, do you think this is his write-off for TV, or do you think he's going to be on for a little bit more to the right build-up to WrestleMania? I would kind of like it this to be his, his final moment, right? Because he went out on such a good note. Yeah, like I feel like this had to have been, or this should have been it. So Yeah. Yeah, hopefully this will be the last we see of Foley for a little bit. You know, he, he got his one moment, um, and he was sufficiently beat down enough that it's like, yeah, it makes sense for him to be gone, right? Yeah, and also, I mean, at this point, you would have to up it to something physical with him, which they're probably very hesitant to do. Right, so. I mean, he did he did his peak physicality on Monday night, so. Right, and it's like, he's in bad enough shape as it is, and the reason that he needs to leave for a little while is to go get surgery, so. On his yeah, hip. On his hip, so yeah, let's not fuck it up, so. Yeah, yeah I, I hope this is it uh, for now, but. Yeah, I thought that uh, Rollins looked pretty good here coming out to save McFoley. Finally, <laughs> look at that baby face reaction that he got. Yeah, like the crowd was eating it the fuck up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think he was really into it. Like he, I think he was milking it just a little bit too much. But, you know, I, I yeah, kind of like, forgave because it was like, you know, this throw- is one of your big moments. So, okay. Yeah, throwing the crutch down was one thing. But then he was like slowly unzipping his jacket. And yeah. I was just like, all right, now where's your, like, if you really want to beat this guy up, you'd be like, I could see the slow reveal of, hey, my leg's fine, I don't need the crutch. Mm-hmm. So the crowd goes, oh, shit. But then I would, like, rip the jacket off and run into the ring, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so I was like, it, <laughs> I thought that was a little bit odd. And especially because the thing that he reveals is a new shirt that says Kingslayer, which is, like, really kind of premature, don't you think? Shouldn't yeah. he like debut the Kingslayer shirt like the night after Raw after he beats Wrestle like Triple H at WrestleMania? <laughs> that would be the time. This is just really like arrogant, and, and it was so ridiculous because commentary was going with him. They're like, "Yeah, Kingslayer Seth Rollins, he earned that nickname." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, um, why <laughs> did he do anything to Triple H yet? Oh, and he even ended this segment. Being the one that was beat down. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yeah, what'd you think of that? Uh, I've heard very mixed reviews from people on Seth coming back and getting the upper hand, but then Triple H ending up with the the upper hand of like taking out his knee. Yeah, I thought I thought Triple H should have had something else to help give him the upper hand so that he could get to that position. Because I thought him standing over top of him, like it made sense because they, unfortunately, because of just the weird way this has played out, they have a very short amount of time to build all the moments for this feud. Yeah, that's, oh my god, the people that were criticized, they're like, oh, they should have held Seth off for another week. We only have like two or three weeks until Mania, like. Yeah, they only have two more Raws until WrestleMania. Yeah. You can't, exactly, it's like, you can't. (laughs) They, 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 that Monday night was the night to do this. Yeah, it's like, they're already having to do this in fast-forward mode. Yeah. Like, so it's like, ultimately, because they had to do a big moment against Seth Rollins again, so that then, next week, Rollins has to get some sort of momentum, and then on the go-home show, then you can finally have, you know, one more time of Triple H getting the upper hand, so that then Rollins, you know, goes over at WrestleMania, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's probably it. But, I was wondering, because, because they have such a short amount of time to build this, do you think they're going to try and like extend this past WrestleMania? And if so, does that mean that Triple H might win at WrestleMania just to extend the feud? I don't think Triple H has to win to extend the feud. I don't think so either, but do you think that they would do it that way? I think they would do it that way. I think that's very much a WWE possibility. Because I think you could do either. Here's your two options. You either have Triple H win and Seth comes out. And Triple H wins in some heelish, uh, chicken shit fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then, obviously, if Seth come out and cut the babyface promo of, uh, you cheated, I'm going to beat you fair and square, blah, 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 blah. Or you have Seth win, and then you have Triple H come out and just be like, I'm still the boss, fuck you, we're fighting again. <laughs> yeah. And I think either works. Yeah, I, th- I think... I think honestly, at this point, because of uh, how long it's been delayed, and because they, I don't think they can drag this out to another WrestleMania. I think they do have to have Rollins win at WrestleMania, and then you know Triple H can obviously recover his heat by coming back and, like you said, pull the "I'm the boss and I'm gonna fucking kill you anyway." <laughs> or because yeah, he can just send somebody with Joe and Kevin Owens after him, like yeah. And that's the other thing; it could be the program could come into like a multi-man thing to change things up, right? Because on the house shows they've been doing, it's like Finn Balor and Sami Zayn and someone else versus, oh, I think it's been Finn Balor, Chris Jericho, and Sami Zayn mm-hmm. versus Triple H, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe. Yeah, actually, you know what? Like, it, it could make a lot of sense to have Rollins do Triple H at WrestleMania and then uh, fight with Samoa Joe after that because Samoa Joe's a full-time guy and he was the guy that injured him again in storyline. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and you could have, uh, if Triple H wants to continue wrestling after WrestleMania, have like Finn Balor return and be the foil to Triple H or something like that. Sure, you know, and you, you could do like you know a stable versus stable or sort of thing, or like a stable versus an alliance of baby faces. Oh, uh, here's how you do it. All right, so yeah, maybe. Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> so Seth Rollins wins at WrestleMania. And then the next night, they officially form the stable of Triple H, Samoa Joe, and Kevin Owens, mm-hmm. and maybe someone else. Um, 
but you have the at least the three of them beat down Seth the next night. Uh and then you have like Sami Zayn running for the save. And then you have Finn Balor return. Mm, okay. So he gets the huge rescue pop slash babyface return pop. Cool. Okay. The only thing I would change is I would substitute Sami Zayn for Chris Jericho since he's in the feud with Kevin Owens. Oh, well, sure, you know what? Yeah. I don't know. Because maybe Kevin Owens is just straight up gone after WrestleMania. So yeah, maybe you keep Chris... Zayn in there. You mean Chris Jericho? Yeah, did I say Kevin Owens? Yeah. Okay, I met Chris Jericho. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so th- I'm assuming you're you're basing this off the rumors that Fozzie's going on tour soon, right? So, well, that and just the, I think that that would make for a compelling story. Like that would be the best yeah. thing to do is have Kevin Owens destroy Chris Jericho so much at WrestleMania that at least for the time being, Chris Jericho's gone. Yeah. Yeah, because then that would just make him look way more dominant as the United States champion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, not only did he beat Chris Jericho, but where the fuck is Jericho? He's gone. Yeah. Um, <coughs> You mean have someone get beaten down and actually stay down? <laughs> I know, right? It's amazing. But you uh, know what? Actually, like, as far as putting people fucking down, like, I think Owens and Samoa Joe do have some pretty good chemistry together. So, oh, my God, that was fantastic. Like, their tag match on Raw, it wasn't even that long, but still, it was just like, you know what? This was a good showcase. Like, these guys work well together. And then bumping the fist afterwards, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it felt like, very natural. Like, the way that yeah. they worked together, it seemed like they'd been tagging for months. Well, they're two similarly built guys, right? Like, they're both the heavier set, but still very athletic. Right, which, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm trying to think, like, as far as tag team psychology, like, I mean, I guess these guys have been wrestling so long that they just they just know how to do a lot of different things. They know how to work with a lot of different guys. But I don't know. I guess in my brain, it just when somebody isn't regularly tagging with another guy, it just it was like, well, how do how do you like figure out all those rhythms of tagging with somebody versus you know fighting against somebody because it's very different. I would assume you know in the way that you work together when you're versus somebody versus tagging with them. Well, I've always heard that, like, if you've faced someone a bunch of times, you can actually tag up with them pretty well. Because mm-hmm. you you know their rhythm from that, right? From facing each other. And then you yeah, can be like, so. one, you can be like, hey, speed up to catch up to my rhythm, or I'll slow down to catch up to yours, kind of a thing. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, really like them together. And I, I, yeah, I love that they didn't care about the win. It was just about beating the other team down. Yeah, exactly. I like that um, they're doing that with, they did it with these guys, and then they also did it this week in NXT with Nikki Cross, where there are these certain heels, and the mentality is, look, I'm not in here to win the match. Like, I'm in here to, you know, maybe my goal is more long-term. Like, maybe mm-hmm. I'm here to just injure this guy, because I know I'm going to fight him later, and I need to make sure he's going to lose. So I need to beat him down. Or just like, I fucking hate this guy. And fuck this guy. Or in Nikki Cross's case, it's like, I want to send a message to everybody, so I'm going to fuck this bitch up. Yeah, did uh, did the announcer say anything about, is this girl a regular in NXT? Um, They had a name for her. She had a little bit more of entrance music, and they were giving her a lot of characteristics. So I assume she's like going to be uh, one uh, of those girls they're going to start integrating onto TV. Macy Estrella. 
Macy Estrella. Yes, she is signed to NXT. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she she was surprisingly fucking stacked. Do you see how fucking muscular she was? She's a former Marine. Oh well, I mean that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. You know. What, uh, let's jump back to Raw before I get too distracted with that. Yeah. Shit. yeah. Um. <laughs> too much NXT. <laughs> <laughs> I liked. One thing I will say, at least as far as the tag team scene, which has definitely been kind of on the back burner as far as Raw has been concerned for a long time. That's um, an understatement. But, <laughs> yeah. But I liked the way that they booked this one together, like as far as how they got to the triple threat for mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Like it wasn't just a, like these guys were fighting and then they did a double countout spot and they didn't know what was going on. Like I liked that the club came out and was like, let's just fuck all these guys up. Yeah, yeah. And that that's <laughs> All of these guys it. are a threat to our championship. Therefore, <laughs> we're going to kill them. But what I'm scared of is like we've seen this before out of the club, though. Like when they first came in, they were fucking dominant like that. Like they would come in and just destroy two tag teams that were facing each other in a match, mm-hmm. and like destroy them on the outside and everything. And then they went on and lost every match to John Cena or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's like I'm just happy for like at least this brief moment of like yeah, this hey, they're... one shining moment. <laughs> they're letting the club oh my god, they do club the club collect correctly. <laughs> they're letting them do the thing that they're supposed to do. <laughs> That's good. Let's see how long they keep this up. Probably not that long. But oh, speaking of things that they're letting the club do as they're supposed to, have you seen previews for this new show on the WWE Network? Uh, which which show? It is called. Hold on. <sighs> Shit, I'm not gonna be able to find it now. Well, well, like what's what's it about? What's the deal? So it's a parody of. Oh wait, hold on. It's it's called Southpaw Regional Wrestling, and Southpaw it's basically regional wrestling. It's a made up like re- re- regional wrestling promotion, and they're basically gonna parody like '80s promos and characters and announcers and things like that so it stars all the like WWE stars like Cena's in it Rusev, Lana, Jericho, Anderson Gallows and Cesaro and they're all playing these like 80's characters on the show that sounds fucking hilarious it is dude Cena plays the announcer (laughs) wait wait like they actually are themselves it's not like an animated thing no, it's that. Yeah, it's them. It's Cena in real life, dressed up as like an '80s announcer, going like, "I'm Chris Catan" or something like that. I forget the name he used, but uh, or Cataran. That's it. Chris Cataran. Wait, and this welcome. is on there right now. It, there's a preview right now. Oh shit! I gotta check this out later. That sounds funny yeah, as fuck. It's, <laughs> and it's it's so great. It starts off with the preview starts with like someone inserting a tape called South Paul Regional Wrestling into a VCR, and and then it cuts to all these clips. And I just can't wait for it because Gallows, on his when he was in the Independence, did this great character called um oh was it the freaking Deacon? The freaking Deacon? Or was it what was his character? That uh, oh, I'll have to look that up. But he did a character where he's basically like an '80s guy, and so he sit there and say, like, "We're gonna send you down. We're gonna send you down to Texas, and that's where you learn to become a heel." And you'll juice up the ass there, and then when you get to this territory, <laughs> so I, I just can't wait to see if they like let him like be that kind of character on the show. 
Wow. All right. I'll, this sounds pretty funny. I'll have to check this out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of checking out, check <laughs> out the fucking cheers that Dana Brooke got on Raw. Well, because fucking finally, right? I mean, yeah, but at this, well, it was weird because that storyline had cooled down so much. Because, like, True. They, she hadn't been on TV for so long, and so they weren't doing the abuse angle for a long time. And then it was just like, all right, out of nowhere, we just kind of have the breakup angle. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I was surprised because I expected at least there just to be a pop and for people to just kind of get excited in general. But the mm-hmm. fact that they specifically were cheering Dana was like, huh, okay, maybe they kind of want to get into her. Or do you think this is just going to be, is Dana Brooke the next Alex Riley? Where she's hot for just a little bit because Miz is a hot heel and because uh, Charlotte is a hot heel and that then they're just going to kind of fade. I think you nailed it on the head there. Dana Brooke is just the next Alex Riley. Yeah. She doesn't have enough to carry the character. She has enough to do this angle of the broken down sidekick who is now fighting back against the like abuser. But uh, after that, I, she doesn't really have anything else. Yeah, so this is, this is what I was thinking. is If they try at least for a little bit of her trying to go after Charlotte, but then she has to join forces with Emma, perhaps. And maybe Emma comes back like, with the look of her old badass character as the heel, but she's a face. Like, she's a mm-hmm. badass face. Could that work? And then, Possibly. Like, she's kind of there with Dana, or, like, now she's coming in to fight Charlotte. Because I think, I think at this point, Dana does need to lean on somebody, and the person that she had the most chemistry with was Emma. Yes. So I would like to see them get back together. Yeah, or, I mean, go or, back to what works, right? Yeah. Although, I guess this this wouldn't work, because I loved Charlotte as a heel. But I was trying to think of, like, what if they tried to do the opposite of, like, if Dana and uh, Emma as heels tried to go after a face Charlotte. But, honestly, you know what fucking feud I want to see over this next year? I want to see Asuka versus Charlotte. Well, That's okay, another... See. Another uh, transfer to NXT. How about Asuka's vignettes on NXT? Yeah, that was kind of an interesting new direction for her. but And it, it was very, like, Ric Flair-esque. Her sitting, like, poolside with those big shades on. Mm-hmm. I was like, is Asuka... Like, I thought it might be hinting towards something that she could come up to the main roster and maybe challenge Charlotte. I think she's definitely going to come to the main roster very soon, especially because like yeah. she's been uh, doing house shows with the main roster, right? Yeah, she uh, Madison Square Garden apparently. I think she showed up. Yeah, and and like WWE even like mentioned it and talked about it like on their website, and I think they even put up like a thing on YouTube with it. So it was like, hey, it's like Oscar's made her made debut, and yeah, you know, they did that with Bailey. What a couple months before she came up, so. Yeah, she appeared at the house shows, and then she also did that one random, like, pay-per-view. Yeah, 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 that's right. She did, uh, the one where she teamed up with Sasha? Yeah. So, yeah, I could, uh, I could definitely very easily see her, uh, either dropping the title to Ember Moon here at the next pay-per-view, or maybe the one after that if they extend the feud. 
it like a lot longer. But uh, it, I think it's she's got to be coming to the main roster really soon. Yeah, maybe she'll drop the title the one after just because I think Ember needs a little more time. Yeah, and I would I would kind of like them to to like make this feud a lot bigger one. Like I would yes. like Ember Instead Moon and Asuka just... to be a really big feud. Ember's just the best out of the challengers, so therefore she gets the title shot. Exactly. I got. I would like it not to be just a quick like she comes in, gets a title, and Asuka leaves. Yeah. Like, because I think it, it also wouldn't make sense for Asuka to just kind of fucking leave right away. Like, she'd be like, what the fuck? Somebody finally beat me? Oh, I'm going to kill this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, you fucked up. <laughs> bitch, you fucked up. <laughs> so, yeah, I would like to see some more of that. But I'm definitely excited to see her come to the main roster as well. Yes. The, both women, either women's division could use her. Yeah. But Although... I think more raw. Hmm. Okay. Because I, I almost see, like, I feel like she's more of a SmackDown type of girl. Like, I just look at her and, I don't know, Asuka says, scream SmackDown to me. Yeah, but I just think, I don't know, if you can compare the two divisions, I feel like Raw is definitely in need of more depth. Exactly. So I think you, you pluck a few of the girls from SmackDown, bring them to Raw. I think you, at the very least, you yeah. definitely have to put Carmella on Raw. Because she needs to get back with Enzo and Cass right now. <laughs> or Did she bring Ellsworth with her? Actually, yeah. That could be an interesting little oh, interaction for a little bit. Group. And then they like kick out Ellsworth eventually. But <laughs> yeah, like Enzo and Cass, maybe a couple weeks of just like he's trying to fit in with them. And they're just like, all right, we get rid of this fucking clown. <laughs> he was a cup of hater. He's, he's a hater? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. Yeah, and then maybe you put over um, Becky. I don't know, maybe like who you bring you bring over maybe one or two other people over to Raw, and then I think you bring maybe Becky Charlotte be... to SmackDown. Yeah. Oh, okay. As long as you're replacing some. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. no, I, w- I would that. want like yeah Bailey and Sasha to stay on Raw. They can keep doing their thing, uh-huh. and then you know Nia Jax can be there as well. You know, you have Dana Brooke and Emma. You have. Uh, you know, maybe you put like Naomi over there. I'm not sure. Maybe Mickey James. You know, maybe Mickey James goes over to Raw. She can hang out there for a little bit until she eventually wants to go away. And then yeah, yeah, you can have Charlotte come over to SmackDown. You have Oscar eventually come up to SmackDown, and then you've still got like Becky over there. You've you know Nikki Bella might be retiring, but then you've got Natalia. You've got Alexa Bliss. Like you got some stuff going on. Now this transitions nicely uh a lot of people have been talking what would you want to see after mania would you want to see another draft where the two shows can steal like other people from the other brand or would you want like a like an open trading period where you don't know who got traded where and so people just start showing up randomly like that it would be the superstars volition that they could trade themselves you mean no, the GMs would be doing the trades, but it's, like, not announced publicly. Or they could mm. announce them, I guess. I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of having a more official draft. Okay. Just because, like, there's there's a little bit more of that excitement to it. Like, I feel like if it was just going to be sporadic and random over a certain, like, couple of weeks, then it would just feel very lazy. 
of just like, oh, I guess we just decided to work this one in now. And this one, like, I feel like it would start to feel very contrived after a while. So I'd rather just be like an official thing of like, all right, we're going to have this event and this is where we do. And it's maybe not like nearly as big as last year where they're going through the whole roster, but like that each GM has like 10 picks or something. Yeah. Like, uh, and I think that'll work. I think over the next year, though, you could do some of these trades because now we've established that the two brands are separate. Separate. Mm-hmm. So, and they they did do he, a little bit of trading between. It was years. like swagger, swagger. But then there was like the idea that the Intercontinental title could have traded and the cruise rates could have traded. Like there are other couple things uh, that like sure. it was almost going to happen. So there was like that possibility of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Miz was, you know, openly talking about like, well, maybe I'm going to go to Raw. Yeah, yeah. So I would like to see maybe a more de- definitive thing, and maybe like bigger stakes than Jack Swagger. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? They might, and um, I could see them doing something like that with AJ Styles, kind of coming out of this storyline right now with Shane McMahon. Oh, true. Uh, yeah, like, so jump into SmackDown. Um, yeah, let's see. Was there anything else I wanted to say about Raw? Um, I think the, the, other, the only other two things I wanted to say really quickly were uh, I'm wondering, do you think that they are potentially planting some seeds for a really long con heel turn for Sasha Banks here with her whole, like, uh, you know, even talking to Bailey about, like, hey, just ignore the haters and, like, it's like who 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 who's hating on Bailey? Like she's she planning is. these things exactly. Like she's planning the shit in her head to make her think that somebody's hating on her. So then she like I can just see this being like this really long term storyline where like maybe sometime leading into the summer Sasha will finally turn heel and then we get maybe at SummerSlam ish a big match between the two. Like do you think that that's what they're starting to do now is plant those seeds? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I like it because it's a long-term storyline. Yeah, I like it too. Like, if that's what they're doing right now, then it's like, bravo. Good job for thinking ahead and, like, actually building a story. It, um, it's like... They, they've actually been really good with long-term storylines, if you think about it. In in certain divisions, sometimes. Yeah. Because, like... But, like, Brian Brandy... <laughs> Brand Randy, right now, it seems like they're doing a good job with that, yeah. But AJ then at the same Shane. time, like, they blew their load with Bailey and Charlotte really bad. True. But yeah. they, they've they been getting a lot more long-term storylines. I'll give them that. I will say that. Like, you know what? I think one of the other things that's been nice is that just over this last year, which is um, because they've been doing the brand split, they've been forcing themselves to create new stars out of other people and, like, forcing themselves to rely on you know, they have to create more storylines for more characters because it's like, you know, the TV time is relevant now. It's not just SmackDown is like some fucking throwaway show. Yeah. Um, but anyway, to, to get back to what I was saying about the whole Sasha storyline, the the one of the things I was just thinking about it the other day that I really, really like is that, at least for me, what I'm reading into it is like there's a strange kind of undercurrent of like... Sasha almost like taking Bailey's virginity in a weird way of like 
and hear me out in like Bailey's like first title win, you know, that's like a huge moment in her career and it's something mm-hmm. she can never get back. But Sasha came out and ruined it. She caused that little bit of interference that like, you know, made that win dirty. Like she made that first prom night fuck like like she didn't wear a condom. <laughs> That's what it is. Like, in my brain, that's what I'm reading into this whole thing. And I hope that they, like, that that's almost intentional. Because it's really, because now, like, if that's kind of almost I don't think they're going to go that route. Obviously, they're not going to, like, say, like, oh, yeah, Bailey, I raped you by, like, doing, like, you know, they're not going to say shit like that. But just, like, that kind of, like, weird, uh, like, predatorial mindset of, like, that Sasha wanted to ruin it for Bailey. Like, yeah. Not that she was just coming out there to help her, but it's like, you know what, like, I've fucking, like, been pissed ever since you made a fool of me back in Brooklyn in NXT when you did that to me. And then you beat me in the Iron Woman's match. Like, I wanted to prove to the world that you're never going to be as good as me. And, like, you know, I had to make sure that, like, that title win, that people would always question it. So I had to ruin it for you. Like, oh, my God, like, oh, the insecurity. It's great. Like... That's what I want Sasha's like mentality to be, and it's like it's so disgusting. Yeah, and it, and I think that would work because her faces and heel characters right now are too like similar. Mm-hmm. And so I think if she went that really dirty, disgusting, like really stab you to the core heel mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff. I think that could work. Yeah, because then it's not only would it be just a great character in of itself and a great story, but then if you do it well enough, then it, it totally completely reinvigorates the Bailey character because it completely makes her sympathetic all over again. Because it's it's a brand new story that you're telling with her. Because part of the problem with the one they've been telling right now is it's too similar to her first story of just trying to prove herself. Mm-hmm. And they they kind of blew the load too early, which is the biggest problem. But then this would be kind of a whole new storyline of like a deeply personal betrayal, like you know somebody Sasha who she had thought that she had earned the respect of and that she had been the friend of for a long time, you know, and then it's like wow, you really hated me this whole time and were pretending to care about me just to get close to me so you could manipulate me, like you know that's a that's a new story for Bailey, yeah. And that's something that you have to do with Bailey because at her core she's she's honestly such a simple character that it's it's very I think easy for them to get tempted into just going in a circle and telling the same story with her over and over again like they try mm-hmm. to do with Cena where it's like, "Oh, well, he's the underdog." And it's like, "No, he's not because he wins all the time." So with Bailey, you have to keep you have to figure out some other stories for her to tell cuz it can't just be that Bailey's the underdog all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you're the underdog the whole time, then people get like tired of, oh yeah, you're always fighting from the bottom. Like, yeah, like it's just, it's really good to mix it up, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then my other kind of thing for you was just um wanted to see what you thought of Triple H's heel work at the end of Raw in his segment there against Foley, like threatening the kids. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Noel and Dewey, like, I thought that was pretty good. Like, that was pretty low. Because it it brings in a real, uh, well, very real things. Like, 
Dewey does actually work at WWE and Noel is trying to get into WWE kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think it was great. And it can kind of feed into like, you can see these things on the, on the WWE network on Holy Foley. <laughs> That's funny as shit. <laughs> Man, like Triple H, like he is such a, like he is such a good heel, dude. Yeah. It is. Like, and he wasn't always. No, but like when he yeah. first went heel, people were like, "Huh?" <laughs> or I'm sorry, when so he when he first came in, he was heel because he was the blue blood guy. Mm-hmm. But then he was face with Sean. But then we went back to heel was when he really had trouble. Mm. But yeah, like he's just at this point, he is he fucking understands it, man. Like he because oh, yeah. it's like it, you know, and I'm I'm sure this very much varies depending on who you're talking to or what stories you listen to, but. Yeah, some people really talk about how much of a, you know, maybe this isn't acting for him too much. Like, that's kind of a lot of the real Triple H, perhaps. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm i inclined to believe it to a certain extent because it's like, you know, you, I think almost for almost anybody, unless you were just absolutely amazing off the charts actor, like, you almost can't act that well unless that's a part of you. Yeah, and I think the part of him, I think people misread it. I think a lot of it comes from him having to, like, dating and then marrying the boss's daughter really caused him to up his game. And so I think it's like his arrogance doesn't come from a bad place. It comes from, like, him trying to prove himself place, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... I think it's definitely that, and I would almost even say to an extent it might be like just that um, that corporate side. Like, yeah. if you're involved in any like corporation in the way that WWE is that kind of corporate um, environment, and you're at the level that he is, how can you not be like that? Yeah, that's what that world is like. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's like these psychotically arrogant, narcissistic fuckbags. You can tell where my biases lie. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> wow, that was pretty good. I like that narcissistic <laughs> fuckbag. Fags. <laughs> Reminds me of. Do you remember uh fucking um John Stewart's thing with a uh, Donald Trump? Uh, what was it? Uh, fuck face von clown stink. That's <laughs> the clown. <laughs> Fun clown stink heritage. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, should we get into SmackDown? Yeah. <laughs> oh my <Fuck> gosh, <laughs> man. Uh, this feud between Styles and Shane, with like the opening promo that Styles was cutting, with how much he was talking about just like having to jump through all these hoops and how much this is bullshit and how much they're screwing him over. I was like, man, if he's supposed to be the heel, they got to be careful. Like, yeah, this is like the most babyface promo ever. <laughs> like I've had to fight from the bottom, and and like I legitimately have proved myself over and over again. <laughs> yeah, like I won also, that battle royal. I beat Luke Harper. <laughs> if they had a camera on that side of the battle royal, I would yeah. have totally won. It's like it's getting pretty hard to argue with this guy. <laughs> yeah, he made some very valid arguments. That was the problem. <laughs> like it was like I was promised a rematch and then I got put into a triple threat where I wasn't pinned yeah exactly 
Exactly. Like, this is very true. And then I wanted to still get a Raw 1 Ring rematch, and they still didn't give it to me. It's <laughs> like, oh man, they did fuck him over. <laughs> but then, you know, it, it was smart because they were able to put really good heat on him with that attack on Shane, because that was vicious as fuck. That was yeah, really they, good. They threw some blood in there, too. So. Mm hmm. Yeah. And he, you're right. Well. It was vicious as fuck. Like, that was. That was really vicious. That was good. That was one of the best beatdowns I I think I've seen on WWE TV in a while. I would put that up there with like the Nexus beatdown of John Cena. Wow. All right. Okay. It was that good. I well, do you say I, mean, I don't you know what? I don't disagree. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of like one between now and then I would almost think is better. And I'm trying to think of like, because I always I have to account how long it went for, and like how much damage was done, mm-hmm. and so that's why I can't really think of like I think of like the Samoa Joe beat down of Seth, kind of a thing, but like that wasn't that long. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I, maybe the only other one that I could maybe put on that same level would be uh, Kevin Owens's first attack on betrayal on Sami Zayn, just because that had that emotional connotation. True, yeah. But, you know, because that's another thing that was really good about this, was AJ Styles had really, really great fire and emotion in this. Oh, yeah. The promo that he cut, and his interaction with Daniel Bryan, and the entire beatdown of Shane. And I'm sure, like, people may, like, groan at the fact that AJ Styles has to be paired up with Shane, but I'm sure that Shane, like, went into this and was just like, dude, do whatever you can think of to me. Like, throw me at the car, throw me against the, the tables, like, things like that. Yeah, it does kind of seem to be what happened, right? <laughs> it was just like, yeah. fucking go for it, man. Like, we got to make this look good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just heard an interview with one of the guys who was in the uh, Mean Street Posse, which mm-hmm. were Shane's friends from Greenwich back in the day. Um, And he said that, like, he was like, Shane is an adrenaline junkie. He was like, he was at Mania last year when he, after he jumped off the cell... And he was like, and his body was like torn to pieces. Like he was like limping and stuff afterwards. He's like, mm-hmm. but he still had this big smile on his face. Oh yeah, like he's just like, of yeah, I is. did it. That fucking psycho. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, he's almost so, fifty years old. He jumped off a fucking cage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and hit just the, like no one down there. <laughs> like just hit the announce table. Yeah. Um, do you think him coming out at the end ruined the beatdown at all? Um, I don't think so. Because he, that he, was looked, he looked like shit, and he was like being carried by guys. Like, yeah, he sold it really well. Yeah, like he he sold that very well, and he was like bleeding from the head, and everybody's like, "You need to go to the fucking hospital, dude." Like, <laughs> and. And I, I put it up there with, it's the same thing with Seth, right? Like, I don't think you can have him get beat down and then come out next week and be like, I challenge AJ to a match. Like, you have to get the matches going now. Yeah. And, like, he was beaten down for a while on the show, and then he came out at the end. Yes. Yeah, so it wasn't like he got beat down and then came out immediately after he got beat down. <laughs> was that... doing his dance and everything. Like... Yeah, because that, that would have been bullshit. Like, that would have been... <laughs> But no, this was good. I thought this was well done in the way that he sold it and the, the beatdown itself was really good. And, you know, Daniel Bryan's whole, like, firing him made sense. 
Yeah. Like, the, it wasn't even a question. It was just like, yeah, I'm fucking firing you. <laughs> Are you kidding yeah. me? Oh and God. then he, he sold it, too, on Talking Smack afterwards. He was like, I'm going to have to talk to Shane. He was like, because I fired him, so can we still have the match? And the, But he did mention, like, mm-hmm. the loophole of, like, Shane can overrule him and things like that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure Shane will reinstate him at least for the match or something, even if it's not, yeah. like, a full reinstatement. Um, uh, but Daniel Bryan is uh, another point I wanted to bring up. Uh, so he was selling in the uh, Miz TV segment that he just wants to punch Miz in the face. So mm-hmm. do you think we get that spot in order to save the face of that feud? Hmm. You mean like Daniel Bryan gets to punch him in the face? Yeah. Because then if you think about it, like they've been building up this rivalry between Bryan and Miz. And Brian does have skin in the game with it's his sister-in-law and future brother-in-law mm-hmm. uh, like in this match. So like if he was able to get in there afterwards or during the match or something and punch Miz in the face, I think the crowd could go home happy of like, all right, we're not going to get a match between these two, but we got that. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. That would be a good moment. Actually, now that you say Cause that, because was, I wasn't even thinking about that at all, but that that would be smart. He was really selling it. He was like, I just want to punch you in the face. like, And I think he said it multiple times, and I think he repeated it on Talking Smack, too. Yeah. And plus, like, him and Bree being at ringside would make sense. Like, they could yeah. come out and just be at ringside, and then, you know, at some point, Miz gets in his face, and then he, like, punches him. Or Miz tries to do something to cheat, and Brian... Right stops him and punches him in the face like easy enough spot yep perfect i like it although uh speaking of that entire angle like mm-hmm. is has it not become completely obvious that uh this entire thing is all about just like it's it's not even about a legitimate feud between these people it's all about nikki bella just getting married to john cena oh like, it's all about the engagement on the Talking Smack thing last week and then on this week, Maurice did the whole like flashing the ring thing and was like, the only thing that matters is that I have this. <laughs> like, that's the entire angle, is right? It's about Nikki oh, marrying yeah, John. Completely. Yeah. Although have you have you heard this the tale of uh Nikki Bella and the ring? No. Here, let me let me play something for you. close so that might hearken the story of Nikki Bella and the one ring to <laughs> it began with the signing of the girlfriend contract soon after her sister Bree was wed to the goat faced one Daniel Bryan sparking a jealousy in her heart Slowly, Nikki became the eternal bridesmaid, and even the vapid, idiotic siren, even Marie, had claimed a man before her. <laughs> Desperately, she begged to be wed, but the wise doctor of thugonomics would not be deceived. Then, the French bitch, Maurice, returned and taunted Nikki with a ring of her own. Hell hath no fury like a scorned Nikki Bella, 
and soon a match was made for WrestleMania 33. And after her victory, she will obtain the one ring that proves she is a strong, independent woman. The one ring to rule the Cena. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> you like that? Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> uh, that was a good hour of my day. Jeez. Yeah, so uh those are my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> the French bitch. <laughs> There's so many good... the the vapid <laughs> Yeah. As soon as the music hit, you had me. <laughs> I just <laughs> They'll prove that she's a strong and independent woman. <laughs> okay. Right, that has to be the intro to, to today's show. I, I might put it in the. I, you know, I think I'm just gonna keep it in at that spot because I think it's better when it comes up naturally. Yeah. Because I was, I was, I was waiting the whole time. I was like, man, I can't wait until I show this to Joe later. Because I was so tempted to send it to you earlier today. <laughs> but then I was like, no, I, I have to show it to you live on the show. Well, I think a ring definitely needs to happen now in order to make that legitimate. <laughs> oh, it's it's gonna happen. Are you kidding me? And it's like, alright, whatever size and carrot that like Maurice's ring is, it's gonna be bigger than that. Oh yeah. Like just despite her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Although speaking of women's matches at WrestleMania, they were talking up on commentary about how they don't know what type of match type it's going to be for the women's title match for smackdown yeah so i was thinking because they're not going to have a ladder match for anything else what if they did a ladder match for the smackdown women's title i think they could do it that would be killer and i think it makes sense kind of with the stipulation of just like with how many it's like hey it's every available woman on smackdown so you know that's a lot of women and you know I, I think having a ladder match at WrestleMania, like, it's a good tradition. Like, it's a smart type of match to have at that type of show. And they don't have one for the Intercontinental title or the Cruiserweight title, which is what they usually do. So, this is kind of like their one opportunity at this point. Unless they were going to do one for, like, the tag titles or something. But I think this would be good. And it would be, like, a really cool monumental spot for the women, I think. Yeah, and uh, I think they've been on a roll with the, oh, it's the first women to do this kind of match, and it's the first women to do this kind of match. So I think they could get that going with, like, mm-hmm. it's the first multi-woman ladder match. Exactly. So. So I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, and then the last kind of point, at least for me, from SmackDown was the whole Bray Wyatt and uh, Randy Orton angle. Mine, too. Uh, we're definitely getting some satanic uh, vibes from Bray. <laughs> no <laughs> he literally said that sister abigail was the spawn of satan yeah and that he rubbed her ashes all over his face and shit like dirt baptism oh man like i was watching that dude and just like having studied kind of some of like the ins and outs of 
religious rituals and cult shit and magic and it's like like Bray Wyatt is doing this so fucking well it's it's kind of scary at times like that if you were into that sort of fucking shit like that would be the fucking thing you're doing man like you would take that ash and you would fucking rub it all deep into your face and like this is intense I can't wait I can't wait to see because Bray is gonna have to kill Randy right like he's just he gonna have, have to, to sacrifice fucking, him. Like he's just gonna have fuck fucking murder him. Like, and I'm I'm wondering too. Like, do you think that Bray incorporates the ashes as like a continuous thing into his gimmick? That like either all the time or at least sometimes he's gonna paint his face in ash, like coming out for matches that way. Because I could see it as kind of like sure. a Finn Balor esque power up or something. Like or... maybe he does it sometimes, and it's like, oh, I have the the ashes of. Sister Abigail, and they make me more powerful. Do you think it goes like the the urn for the Undertaker? It could be, could be something kind of like that. Yeah, because honestly, at this point, I think it'd be kind of a cool, just like a straight character transition moment of like there was the old Bray White and there was the new Bray White, and the new Bray White puts fucking ash on his face, like that just kills people. Like every week now, he just always comes out with ash on his face, and he's just like. 10 times as intense. He talks still some, but not as much, but he just comes out and kills motherfuckers. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see crazy ass Bray Wyatt that doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, and as long as he continues with these, like, promos that are a little more direct, because I think he's been hitting that out of the park. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of what he did this week. You know, he talked about how it's like, you know, I got this power. He puts it on himself, and he's like, and I'm going to destroy everybody. I think I'll start with you. Yeah. Like, and it was just so casual and so callous of just, I'll start with you. And also, and he, he did a really good job of explaining, like, why what Randy did the previous weeks was, like, so hurtful to him. Mm-hmm. And he, so he sold it really well. Right. Just, you know, giving this feud some actual meat and some grit to it. So, yeah. like, this is still... Probably one of my the most like I'm really excited for this feud WrestleMania. This is probably within my top like three matches I would say because this Kevin Owens and Jericho and I don't know I don't know what would be my other one at this point uh, with all the ridiculousness around it maybe the mixed tag match with uh, no, Nikki Miz and uh, uh mine's Rollins and Triple H. Oh yeah 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 okay Rollins and Triple H that's fair. Also, depending on what happens, Taker Reigns could be good. Ooh, man, if Reigns turns heel, then that that shoots up way up there. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm also pretty fucking excited for Ares and Neville. I think that's going to be pretty good. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, 205 Live. (laughs) Yeah, so 215 Live, you know, we we had a little bit of other stuff. We had, um... Actually, you know what? I did want to get into the little angle with Dar, because the thing they're doing now is that, like, Dar is, like, trying to keep Alicia Fox around him, and he's worried that she's going to leave him. Yeah, because these gifts keep showing up, and he keeps saying that they're from him. Right. So I'm wondering, do you think at some point uh, they might be tempted to kind of like do an angle of turning uh, Noam Dar into like the sympathetic babyface if like he gets dumped by Alicia Fox? Well, he would have to change up his character a little bit because right now he's coming off as like, the douchebag boyfriend. So if if she leaves, people will be like, "You go, girl, be the independent woman." 
I guess I guess a lot of the circle it would have to depend on where she goes. Like if she just leaves him or if she leaves him for somebody. Yeah. And who she leaves him for. Cause yeah, it could it could just be like a good come up and sangle of it's like, oh yeah, well I mean you did steal her from Cedric Alexander and now she's finally leaving you, so And <laughs> like you were taking credit for what someone else was doing, kind of a stuff. Right. Um, uh, but then we had the Fatal Five Way match. Which is a pretty fucking good match, I gotta it say. Fucking awesome. I really liked With it. I thought every Zawa, Kendrick, well. Nice, Perkins, and Aries. And how about Tony Nice? I think for the first time really getting a spotlight in a match, like in in a big way. Yeah, like, I think he's finally breaking through with the wrestling side, and now they just need to give him the right character, and he needs to do, like, some pretty good interviews. Yeah, like, they need they need to figure out a little bit more, kind of, like, what the character and uh, trajectory of his character is. Because the way that I was kind of understanding what they were building, you know, obviously his whole thing is he's the premier athlete. But then yeah. they're kind of building this thing of, like, hey, he refuses to do promos, which was kind of interesting. But, like, it's not a thing you can do for long. So I think eventually they would have to pair him with a manager, perhaps. And that might not be a bad idea. Because I think that character can work. But for it to work long-term, he needs a manager who can talk for him. And I think that kind of character could work for him, do you think? Mm. Like, he's just this, like, really strong athlete who's just like, fuck it. Like, I'm not wasting my time talking to you fuckers. Like, if you want to talk to somebody, you talk to my Paul Heyman guy. You know, who just talks about how I'm the best, and then I go show it in the ring and kick ass. Yeah, that could work. Because, like, he's he's even younger than Neville. He, I'm sure, like, I don't know, like, exactly how, like, if they match up Neville and him, like, who's stronger and who's faster between the two? Because I think it'd be pretty fucking hard to tell. Because they're both very, very similar. Yeah. But then, yeah, I think the way the thing that I'm describing is you almost run the risk of getting too close to Neville. But like Neville has kind of this like arrogant king thing going on. Anyway, I'm getting too much of this Tony Nese thing. <laughs> um, I thought this match was pretty fucking good, and I liked that they were actually able to show off him in his element of being that the freakishly strong athlete. guy. Yeah, like that fucking knee to Aries' head through the um, wall. Yeah, that was insane. And the crowd went nuts for it. <laughs> and also Ares, I think, really got to show off his stuff. Yeah, I, I think everybody actually had a pretty good amount of showing mm-hmm. off. Because like, even Tozawa got a lot of like good spots in here. Um, I think what Perkins showed off was that Perkins needs to turn heel. Like, and he would do well with a heel turn. It's not just that like he's not doing great with the babyface mm-hmm. thing. But it's like, hey, do a lot of what you're doing. And it would actually work really well as a heel. Because there was oh. this, like, sequence where he was in the ring with Austin Aries, and he, like, got the upper hand on him and then did the dabbing thing, and everybody fucking booed. Well, yeah, because that's hated right now. Like, mm-hmm. that's what cocky athletes that everybody hates to, does in, like, the in the NFL and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I watched that, and I was like, man, that was a perfect heel spot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think he... I got the upper to... hand. Let me show off. Yeah, it was like he, I'm sure he meant to do that and get cheered, but like, man, did, was that the perfect heel spot? <laughs> well, did you also did you hear uh, Michael Cole's new nickname for him? No, 
on Raw. He called him. He was like, he was like the flim flam. Oh no, the flim flam or the flim yeah. flash. The the, yeah, flim flam flash. And Corey Graves was like, uh, Michael, it's the Phil M flash. <laughs> He's Filipino American. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Michael Cole is calling him the flim flam. Flim flam flash. The flim flam flash. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, that's about what I expect from Michael Cole, I guess. So, par for the course. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I thought everybody had a pretty good job in this. Actually, and Kendrick was looking wily as fuck with that uh, sneaky ass pin where he like got um, Kendrick's legs out from under him, so that Ares collapsed onto him, and then they both pinned him. Yeah, like I thought that was great. I thought uh, you know, and then Ares gets to have the big win, and we get Ares and Neville officially set up the match. I'm excited, man. I think that it's going to be a, a cool match. Yeah, that could really steal the show, depending on where it's at. Yeah, I, th- I think it really can, too. Um, I really hope that they at least... Because I think they need to give it... Like, guys, just give it at least, like, 15 minutes. I don't think they need that much more than that. I mean, I'm sure they could definitely put the time to good use if you give them more. But, it's like, just like just don't give them, like, only five minutes. Which is what I'm afraid they're going to do. Because they're... This is a really, really packed WrestleMania. They have a shitload of matches on this card. And yeah. not all They're of them not are going to get a lot of time. Everybody. <laughs> at, the, at least one thing that is going to help with timing is uh, the fact that Lesnar and Goldberg is probably going to be really short. Yeah, so, so five minutes, and then everything else can go pretty long. Yeah, everybody else can get a little more time. Um, let's see, NXT. Uh, who in the blue hell are the Ely twins? The new jobbers. Like, these guys got a little bit, like, they got a little tiny promo thingy. This is, the yeah. I think, the second week in a row they've come out, and then they just kind of get pooed on. By I think somebody. they're the, the, they're the James Ellsworth tag team. <laughs> they're James Ellsworth mixed with the Usos gimmick because they're twins. Yeah. And uh, let's see, what else did we get? We get, uh, uh, ooh, you know what? Because we had the little squash match with Dickie Cross, which I talked about a little bit. Yeah, we had the vignette for Asuka. Yeah, the vignette for Asuka. And then the match with Bobby Roode and Cassius Ono. Oh, we also got uh, a vignette for uh, Alistair Black, Tommy End. Oh, yeah. You did but get yeah. that again. And yeah, then, what'd, yeah. What'd you think of this match? I thought this was a great match. I was really surprised by Cassius Ono. Mm-hmm. I was too, to be honest, because uh, um, I was, was like, with the guy with his with his how as much his weight seems to fluctuate. Yeah, I just kind of like would assume, especially because he's on like the you know heavier side of his spectrum, that it was like, oh yes. shit, I don't know if he's gonna be able to bring it, but uh, yeah, he and Bobby Roode put together a pretty good match, I'd say. I. I... Didn't understand Cassius's Ono's um, wardrobe choices, but uh, <laughs> looking like a basketball player. It was like a tight-fitting <laughs> basketball jersey, basically, <laughs> with like uh, speedo shorts <laughs> instead of regular basketball shorts. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty fucking rough, <laughs> and it like really showed off his weight. So I was just like, I don't know about this. But then he was doing like a kip up and 
was really going out rude. And I was like, okay, he knows how to work with it. <laughs> yeah, he definitely knows how to work with it. But it's like, it's like, look, you understand if you're trying to wear a shirt to cover up the fact that you're a fat guy, that like you shouldn't a wear that shirt, shirt. A, t- a tight, lightly <laughs> colored shirt that's going to show off that you're a fat guy. <laughs> Like, take a hint from Kevin Owens, who wears a loose-fitting, dark-colored shirt. Take a hint from the other KO. <laughs> yeah, take a hint from the other KO, man. <laughs> Although, I'm wondering, with uh, with Cassius Ono, if the, the long-term plan is uh, a reunion with Cesaro. Oh, Kings of Wrestling. Do you think so? I think they would go great together. Especially because that that seems to be where they're comfortable with using Cesaro. I've just was like I was thinking about it and looking back over his kind of history, and it's like, yeah, they've really mostly just been successful or you know comfortable with him as a tag team guy because like they've put him mm-hmm. in with Swagger, they put him in with Tyson Kidd, they put him in with Sheamus, like, and that's when he's gotten the big reactions from the crowds and stuff. Well, I think he got some pretty damn big reactions when he was a solo guy going for the US title, but uh Yes, true, yeah. They were too chicken shit then. But that's just like the pattern of what I've seen for WWE being comfortable with him. But hmm. and I and I understand kind of where they're coming from because I think that Cesaro does have a he's pretty limited when it comes to just being by himself on the mic and as far as his character. So I think he he does better when he plays off of somebody, you know? Yeah. And I think Cassius Ono could be a great guy to do that. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, obviously those guys have tagged together before, so they would know what they're doing. Yes. So, uh, yeah, fuck it. Let's let's see it. I wouldn't mind. And, uh, you know, then you could just go fire Seamus maybe or something. <laughs> and he can team up with uh, Jack Swagger on the Independence. <laughs> Seamus and Swagger on the Independence. Oh, my gosh. I can't think of like a a more boring, shitty tag team to try and not take the world by storm at all. <laughs> to not take the world. <laughs> to just keep the world at a complete and total calm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, I think that's it for us this week. Hold on, I got one last thing for you. Oh. I've been hearing on the old rumor mill, there are rumors of what WWE is considering for the main event of WrestleMania 34. You want to know what they're talking about? Or is, what uh, I'm hearing? Is, is this what Jim Ross predicted? I don't know what I'd Jim Ross predict. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the championship? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably what started the rumors. Jim Ross probably said it and people were like, oh shit. Maybe. Um, well, did you hear his idea behind it? It's that Lesnar holds it for a year. Oh, Christ. And then... Wouldn't that suck? A part-time champion for a whole goddamn year? Yeah. What I a... think it, it's good for a couple months. Just because then you're not getting constant title matches on Raw and things like that, but mm-hmm. a whole year, that would be a lot of pay-per-views without a championship defense. That'd be a lot of pay-per-views without championship defenses, Yeah, probably, and or just it's just a lot of 
you know, like your champion, it, it's it's shit. I don't want them to do it. I really don't want them to do it. I don't think I they're that say... stupid, are they? They wouldn't do that for a whole fucking year. Because like, I honestly was thinking they would probably do Reigns and Lesnar probably at SummerSlam. That's what I'm thinking they're building towards. Don't you? like both of them win at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and then they fight for the title at SummerSlam. Yeah, because then you have Reigns go. I beat the Undertaker. I deserve a title shot. I retired the Undertaker. I think Reigns is going to retire the Undertaker. So wait, do you think he then goes into the match as a heel or a face? I think he goes in uh, in as the way that WWE is designing it. He is supposed to be a face, but of course, he will be booed by everybody in that fucking building. Mm -hmm. Because, like, anybody who comes out and says that he's going to fucking retire The Undertaker, like, you know what? We didn't even talk about that from fucking Raw. We need to talk about that. Reigns' interaction with Shawn Michaels, that was, like, one of the most heel promos I've seen in a long time. Like, nothing about that promo was face. He was just talking about being an arrogant piece of shit and how he was going to retire The Undertaker. And about how Shawn Michaels, fuck you, what you say doesn't matter. (laughs) You only faced him twice at WrestleMania, what do you know? Yeah. You only did that, you're only a Hall of Famer, you're only a fucking legend of the business, you don't know shit. Yeah. And it's like, saying that he's going to, because it's like, Michaels wasn't even bringing that up. He was saying that he was going to retire The Undertaker. He brought it up of his own thing, he's not just, I'm not going to beat him, I'm going to retire him. It's like, man... How can they see that this is like one of the most amazing heel star making opportunities of all time? Like, I don't even think they can fabricate a greater heel moment than this. If they were gonna like finally grow the balls to turn him heel, if you retire the Undertaker, that is evil. Yeah, and I don't know if they realize the. That you can get a face run out of him later because of that. Oh, yeah. Like, if you have a good heel run, then you can have a good face run. Yeah, you know what? And they actually even would have had a better opportunity. Like, especially if his turning heel... Because if he turns heel because of the Undertaker thing, that's going to be a lot harder. That's going to take a lot longer for him to turn face again eventually, but... If they had turned him heel, like, back when they had a couple opportunities with that, like, tournament for Survivor Series or, you know, when the Shield had broken up originally, like, he probably would have already been a face again by now. Like, because he just would have been such a badass heel. Mm-hmm. That people would have gotten behind him. I don't know. It's possible. Because the heel character would have made sense. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I guess we can just hope and pray that, uh, they wisen up, turn old Roman oh, heel there. Because it's like, man, that would do pray. such good business. Such good business. But yeah, I think that uh, that pretty much does it for me, unless you've got something else. No, that's it for me. All right. Thank you for listening to us for another week. Uh, please check us out on social media, Facebook, Super Smart Brothers, Twitter, at Smart Brothers, supersmartbrothers at gmail.com and please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play and our original home of Podbean. Thank y'all very much. See y'all next week. Peace out.